Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. Praise God. Can we pray and get into the word? Dear Heavenly Father, we're grateful for your word. We thank you just as the, the writer in Psalms 119, we found your word, Lord, and it's like silver and gold to us, and we would have perished if it hadn't been for your word. Your word has saved us and helped us. I thank you, Father, that you always do give a word in season, and every season can be a and changed and made what it is supposed to be when we get your word for that season. So today we listen with our heart because you never fail to have something to say. When we come to you, we look to you, and your, bio, your word says that our faces are lightened. We thank you in advance for the help that your word will be to us today. We want to honor your word today by purposing to be a doer of it and not just a hearer of it. Because Jesus was real clear when he said, it's only the doer of the word that is blessed. Give us grace to be a doer today. In Jesus' name, can everyone say amen? Amen. Say this, I'm a doer of the word. Amen. Say it again. I'm a doer of the word. Amen. Not just a hearer today. Uh, We're going to look at something that I believe touches us all. At different times in life, maybe more so or not, but I would reckon it's something that we daily deal with. So uh, we're going to talk about dealing with doubt. Dealing with doubt. How's that so important? Well, Back in Exodus, when the children of Israel were delivered out of, out of Egypt, and they were delivered out of Egypt with miracles, they weren't just delivered so they could not be in captivity. They were actually delivered so that they could go into the promised land. There was a whole land of Canaan that God had promised, and God brought them out of Egypt to take them in to a promised land. What happened was, even though that there was a lot of promises about going into the promised land, is that in between Egypt and the promised land, um, some things happened there, but when they got right up to the land of promise, there were giants, there were walled cities, and the giants uh, weren't mentioned in the promise. And the walled cities weren't mentioned in the promise. So when the children of Israel saw the giants in the walled cities, they got to thinking, hmm, maybe God didn't take this into account. Maybe he didn't know about the giants or walled cities. We don't know what the children of Israel thought, but we do know very plainly from the word of God that when they saw and they heard and they experienced the contradiction to the promise, they chose to go with the contradiction and leave the promise. 
I ended up staying in the, in the wilderness. And the Bible tells us about this. And then in the New Testament in Hebrews, the third chapter, it says, be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, and that's who we are in here today. Make sure that your own heart, your own hearts aren't evil and unbelieving. And we think um, about moral sins and, you know, sins with habits and stuff like that being evil. But actually, the children of Israel, while they were in the wilderness, they did some evil things. They worshipped around a golden calf, idolatry. They, there was sexual perversion all around that situation. There were other things that they did that were really bad in the wilderness, and yet it was not any of those things that kept them out of the land of promise. Here, it tells us what kept them out. You must warn each other every day. Well, we hadn't done that. I don't know if anybody's warned you today about doubt, about anything of unbelief. I I don't reckon that is something that is in our daily life, but it is that important to God. And we'll see today why turning you away from the living God, that is the ultimate goal of doubt. Doubt has an ability to take the hand of faith, and it's, a, it's faith that receives from God. It's, hand, it's the hands of faith that take the promises of God. What doubt does, it has the ability to to make you put your hands in your pockets so that you don't use your faith. Doubt, what doubt will do is is make you sit on your hands and not use your faith. And come to a conclusion, what's really sad, is then come to a conclusion and a strong belief and opinion about God against God, against his word. That's the ultimate goal. And so the scripture here says, warn each other, help each other, so that we don't fall into that. Well, let's just look then. Don't let your life form your beliefs. Don't let life form your beliefs and ultimately how you respond. Basically, you know, pers- what people go through, maybe their education or whatever, they'll, they'll come to a conclusion uh, about what they believe. Their experience will contribute to what they decide they believe. And you'll hear people, when they talk, they'll say, well, the way I see it, have you talked to people and they'll do that? Well, the way I see it, in my opinion, it's this way. What gave them that opinion and what did they, how did they come to the way they see things? It was based upon their experience. It was based upon what had happened in their life. It is based upon what they saw, what they felt, what they heard. In other words, what was around them contributed to what they believed and what they believe about God. Well, We want to see today that we don't want to let life form your belief about God, belief about his promises, belief about about yourself, belief about anything in life. You don't want life to form that belief. 
We're going to see what it is that we want to form our beliefs. You know, um, I was raised in Colorado, which is in the middle of, a, in the middle of America. And um, yeah, uh, when Tony, the first place that Tony and I went to, um, to do Bible schools was in Sicily. And we'd never lived around that much water in our life. Ohio's, Ohio, where he's from, doesn't have that much water. Colorado's just prettier than Ohio. But, uh, but Sicily was wonderful, you know, because it's an island, you know, and all the... And then from there we went to, to Singapore, which is also an island. And then we came to a monster island. Woo-hoo, Australia! So, uh, but it, I don't know a lot about things about the sea. I really don't, because I wasn't raised around the sea. But, um, but I, I do know this from stories and things I've seen. When you're out on the sea and you can't see the land, you don't want to navigate by a cloud. You don't want to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sail toward that cloud. Why? They move. If you follow clouds, you're going to end up someplace you may not want to end. You're going to end up someplace that you don't want to be. Neither do you navigate by the waves. Some, sometimes I've noticed that waves crest in a certain place or something. You think, oh, I'm going to follow that. I'm going to go that direction. If you follow the wind, if you follow the waves, if you follow the clouds, there is no telling where you're going to end up. Well, how does that speak to us? If people navigate their life, if you navigate your life by your experience, if you navigate your life by your feelings, by what you see, what seems real, if you navigate by what you hear, if you navigate by what you, you feel, your feelings are no more reliable than a cloud in the middle of the ocean to navigate by. They'll trick you. They'll, you'll come to a conclusion about things that ends up not being true. What did Jesus say about the truth? What's the effect of the truth and knowing it? What does it do? It makes you free. And if there is a lack of truth in what you conclude, you'll end up not being free. Well, the thing about it is, is that life is a lot like an ocean and has been likened to an ocean. And the wind blows on it, and the weather blows on it, and it affects. Sometimes it's beautiful and soft and quite nice, and then sometimes it is scary. So if we're navigating our life in, out on this ocean of life by something that isn't sure. A, a, a sailor won't navigate by clouds, won't navigate by, by the waves. A sailor will navigate by something that is sure. A star, the sun, something that will hold still. In life, when things are moving, you don't want to be looking at and latching on to something that will move. 
your feelings move. You don't want to latch on to something that will change. What you see can change. What you hear can change. What you want to latch on to, what you want to grab on to, is something that will never change. Now, we don't certainly, if we're not going to let life form our beliefs, we certainly don't want to let failure form our beliefs and ultimately our response. It's easy to do, though, because after failure becomes a part of your experience, then we face then the future more tentatively, not real sure. Failure in any area, personal failure in your own life, where you did something, maybe somebody else failed you. Maybe you feel like God failed you. Anytime when there's failure, anytime when something doesn't seem to work, is anybody in here want to make somebody else feel better and it seemed like something in your life didn't work the way you wanted it to? Yeah, I, I reckon all of us have had that happen. Sometimes I've even had it where it seemed like the promise that I was standing on wasn't fulfilled the way I believed it. I have. And in that time, there's this amazing choice. Am I going to form what I believe on my experience? Am I going to form what I believe on what has happened to me? Or am I going to form my opinion and my belief on something that cannot change? Because my experience can. Let's look at this. In Mark, the fourth chapter, we won't turn there in the Bible, I'll just remind us. This is, I love this story. And the Lord gave me this chapter, uh, this story in in Mark 4 at the beginning of this year. And it has helped me in my own personal life. But uh, Jesus told the disciples, he said, let's go over to the other side of Lake Galilee. And uh, they started across. And here came a storm. <laughs> and it wasn't, it, it wasn't a nice one. It was so bad that these professional sea people thought they were going to drown. And they woke Jesus up, who was sleeping, which that could be annoying. If you were the, if you were the disciples in the boat and here's somebody sleeping, I don't know if you've ever, ever wondered if he was sleeping. <laughs> Are you seeing anything up there? Hmm? Those are just real feelings, but not ones you want to base a belief on. Okay? So anyway, uh, he woke up. Jesus woke up, and he asked them why. He asked them two questions. Why are you afraid? Which begs the question, why wouldn't we be? What set of, of something are you going on that we wouldn't be afraid? Anybody, anybody in their right brain would have reason, good reason, to be afraid. And then he, his second question is this. He said, and why did you doubt? Where is your faith? Again. Why wouldn't we doubt? Hmm? 
Why wouldn't we? Look at those swells. We've got 25-foot swells. I don't know if that's much. I just made that up. Is that a lot? <laughs> Seems bad to me. Anything that's over this is bad. We've got swells as high as this ceiling. Okay, I can do that. We've got swells. We've got wind. We've got waves. We've got water coming in the boat. And you're asking what the deal is. Why we're, why we're doubting. Look, feel, hear. That's why. The deal is... <laughs> Life is going to give us reasons to not believe him. And ultimately, to make a decision to do what Hebrews said and warned about, to turn. So let's look and see what to do. I want you to, to look at some of these failures I have a couple people from just natural life and, um, and what they did. If they, would have, if they had lined up on failure, we wouldn't be talking about them today. They did something different. The first guy's Albert Einstein. Of course, we know his name is synonymous with genius. But listen about him. Albert Einstein did not speak until he was four years old and did not read until he was seven. His parents thought he was subnormal. That's bad when your own folks think you're subnormal. His parents thought he was subnormal, and one of his teachers described him as mentally slow, unsociable, and adrift forever in foolish dreams. That was a quote. He was expelled from school and was refused admittance to the Zurich Poly Polytechnic School. He did eventually learn to speak and read and even do a little math. <laughs> you reckon? Thomas Edison's teacher said he was too stupid, this is a quote, too stupid to learn anything. He was fired from his first two jobs for being non-productive. As an inventor, Edison made 1,000 unsuccessful attempts at inventing the light bulb. When a reporter asked, how did it feel to fail 1,000 times? Edison replied, I didn't fail 1,000 times. The light bulb was an invention with 1,000 steps. So if we're not going to let life form our beliefs, the way we feel, the way we, our senses form what we believe, and we're not going to let failure form what we believe. Well, then what does? We let God's word form our beliefs. And sometimes it looks like it stands alone with no reason or evidence to believe it other than the fact that God said it. All right? Mark, the sixth chapter, and verse 5 and 6, Jesus was saying, because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hand on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their unbelief. 
Jesus, I wonder how many things he was amazed at. And the only time, that, there's only two times the Bible ever said he was amazed. And one of them was here. Another one was he was amazed at a woman's faith uh, when Jesus cast the demon out of her, uh, her daughter. But notice what happened when, he, when Jesus noticed unbelief. I love this next part of this verse. What did Jesus do? Did he just erase them? He didn't. He taught them. He taught them. What's a cure for unbelief? Unbelief that makes us sit on the hands that receive from God or put the hands in our pockets that receive from God. What's the cure? His word. And what Jesus did, he went out and he taught them. I'm thankful because there have been some times when, when I have, based upon experience, based upon lack of experience, uh, seeming failure, I, I was tentative to try to believe. I've had that happen before. But Jesus is so faithful. He taught. He came around and taught. Look at this in, my, in Psalms 18 and verse 30. It said, God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for those who will look to him for protection. His word proves true. What if, what if in, in an occasion in your life it didn't seem to Prove true. Ooh, ooh, you're in a decision. What are you going to believe? Are you going to believe what you feel and your experience? Or can you go back to a verse of Scripture like this and say this about this verse? God's way is perfect. My way may not have been, but his way is perfect. Can we just put that word, those words in our mouth right now today? Say, God's way is perfect. And then notice what he goes on to say. He said, all the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. I, I like that we get some examples of, of this in the Bible because... Uh, Abraham, who's known as the father of faith, uh, it doesn't just have his story in the Bible that God said to Abraham that I'll give you the land and, and I will give you a, a, a child and through that child all the nations of the, all the people, all the families of the world will be blessed. And then the next verse say, says, and so he got the land and he got his child and they all lived happily ever after. That's not how the Bible reads. God gave the promise way back in Genesis, the 12th chapter. Do you know it was 25 years later? Do you think that Abraham, during that time, could have wondered if the promise was real? He did. I'm sure he did. But notice this verse of Scripture. It says, for when there was no reason for hope, I'm glad the Bible is real clear. 
that helps us know and identify with people in the Bible. They had real feelings. When there was no reason for hope, look what Abraham decided and determined to do. Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. And why did he keep hoping? The next words say it all. For God said. God said it to him. That's how many descendants you will have. And he was referring to the stars of the heaven. You know, he's going to have as many descendants as the stars of the heaven and the sand, which is by the seashore, innumerable. He said, that's how many descendants you will have. Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Wow. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, look at this. His faith grew stronger. One, uh, one translation says, his faith grew stronger over the passage of time. Time can be a real battle to you. You've got a promise. It hadn't come to pass. You're looking at your clock, and then finally you quit looking at your clock, and you start looking at the calendar. You're looking at the year at a glance, and then you're looking at five years. Well, this was Abraham, five years, 10 years, 15, 20. If you're not going to waver, if you're not going to change what you believe, you're going to have to be making some choices along the way to believe what you feel in what is apparently and evidently evidently true by physical evidence. There has to be continued choice. I could believe all of that, and in the end I could turn away from God who said those promises, or I could, with my heart and my mouth, say God's way is perfect, and his word is true. So let's look and see. He did this. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Completely convinced. If God said it, he'll bring it to pass. Was there ever reason to doubt it? Yes, yes. But he held fast to the promise. Now, to hold fast to the promise, let's look at this. Let God himself be the rock. Not just the word. Not just the word. The way the Lord showed it to me one time, he said, take a promise like a, like a life raft. Somebody throwing you a, a life raft. Take that promise and follow that promise up to the mouth that spoke it. The reason the promise is solid is because the one who said the promise is a rock. You can see when the waves come on the sand and beat on the sand, it shifts the sand and the sand rises and falls and moves and all that. Up the coast a little bit could be some rocks. 
the rocks can take a beating from the sea, and they just stand. They're not going to move. The rock is God himself. So let our, let our beliefs be built on the word, informed by the word, but let our, let our belief and our faith be the rock that our beliefs are formed on. Second Samuel 2, 22 and verse 47 says, the Lord lives, bless a praise to my rock. May God, the rock of my salvation, be exalted. I, I love that. I don't know what happened. I don't know exactly everything that was happening in David's life other than one thing that was happening was a king was trying to kill him. Yeah. But there was something that was sure. God was his rock. And he praises him for that. Hosea 6 and verse 3. I like this verse of scripture. We're only going to look at the first part. And it says, then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. Now what happens, what I've experienced and I've observed in people that we've ministered, this happens. It just is a common thing that does. When life happens, and uh, we'll just show it to you this way. It happens. Uh, people will have, and I've heard even these words, I can't go on until I find out why. You can understand that. I think we can all understand that, hey? What ends up happening, though, if this is the direction that you're needing to go, this is your, this is your future. This is where we're going in life. I can't go on. I can't go on until I know why. Because I've run into this riser here. I've been going just fine. Going just fine. And now there's a contradiction to what I believe, what I see, or what, what, what God has said, a contradiction to the promise. I can't go on until I know. And so what ends up happening sometimes is then people turn around and go another direction. Or they start wandering and wondering in the land of, of why. So when you run into a riser, you have, and you can't see from the back, but there's this riser here. I've come to the end of how far I can go on this level. What are you going to do? Some people just stop and just sit down. Can't do any more. Can't do any, not going anywhere until I have all my questions asked. This verse of scripture, look at that verse of scripture, is exactly opposite. What does it say? Then we know if we follow on to know the Lord. If Jesus is the truth, how, who in here believes Jesus is the truth? Okay, Jesus is the truth. Do you want answers? from just somebody talking over at something at coffee club or Zarafa's or wherever you like to drink your coffee, coming up with an, an answer, an opinion to your questions? Or do you want the truth? Who wants the truth for questions in your... I mean truth. Even if it's hard truth, give me the truth. 
Because it's, it's not an opinion that's going to make you free. It's the truth that's going to make you free. There is only one safe place to get truth. One. And it's in the one that said, I am the truth. Here's the deal. What I've experienced, and Benny, you helped during the first service, if you could help me again. Here's the deal. I'll be Jesus, and he's going to be... He's going to be all of us, okay? So what, what, what Benny has to do, he has to determine if he's just going to stay down here and wander and wonder or turn around and walk away. Or he can choose to follow me if I'm Jesus. Just pretend that you can't see Jesus right now. I trust you. Trust you know he's in me, okay? He's in you too. He's just going to have to trust me. So I take him. I take him. And a lot of times what ends up happening is that following on to know the Lord, he doesn't even talk to you about your question. Anybody find that out? He doesn't even talk to you about your question. He talks to you about other things, and you walk with him, and you talk with him, and he ministers to you, and he says wonderful things, and then he turns you around, and then he shows you back over there, and you think, oh, oh. We say, we say, I can't see the forest for the trees. Down in here, we're in the forest. All we can see, we just see everything, and it just is everywhere. Don't come up with an opinion or a belief or a conclusion here. It will be stupid. It will lack truth, and you'll get more bound. Don't come up with a conclusion here. This verse of Scripture says, then you'll know if you follow on to know the Lord. Just follow Jesus. Just follow Jesus. Just follow him. Just follow him. Just trust him. And he takes you. A lot of times he takes you up. He, and sometimes up again. And then from an amazing perspective, it all becomes clear. But the beauty is, is that you haven't stopped out there. You've gone on. Because you've gone on with him. Now, I'll show you this. You run into this riser. This riser represents a contradiction, an apparent contradiction to the, to the Word of God. You run right into it. If you're going to go on to follow on to know the Lord, what are you going to have to do? Huh? Honestly, I can't go any further. I've run into this riser. The only way is to step on the very thing that was contradicting in choice to believe the Word of God. And where I run into another riser, another contradiction, I can stay and just live the rest of my life here. Well, it didn't work out. That job didn't come through. That one thing that I was believing for didn't happen. You can park here the rest of your life. Or you can choose, like Father Abraham did, 
to believe that what God promised, he's also able to perform. Don't let time be your enemy. Give glory to God that his way is perfect and his word is proven and tried. Step on that contradiction. And the very storms of life that are meant to bury you, you end up stepping on and you go from faith to faith, faith to faith, faith to faith, glory to glory, strength to strength. Are you thankful for the Word of God? Can we just lift our hands to thank Him for the Word of God that lives and abides forever? It will not change but his word has power to change you, has power to change circumstances. Let's look at this. Let's keep going. 2 Timothy 2, or 1 and verse 12 says, that is why I'm suffering here in prison. It was Paul. He was writing to his, his son Timothy. He said, but I'm not ashamed of it. For, and this is the part we want to see. For I know the one in whom I believe or I trust, and I'm sure he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him until the day of his return. I know the one. Well, we've been talking about his word, letting his word. But when you follow that word back to the mouth that spoke it, it's not just believing a promise hanging on your wall. It's not just believing a, 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 you know, something that you've written on a piece of paper. It's believing him, a whom, someone. And whenever your faith is transferred from just what, this is what I believe, this is what I believe, to who I believe, then your faith becomes galvanized. You become embedded in the rock. You can't believe it. I'm telling hell, hell can blow in your face. And you're like, hmm, hmm, I believe God. I believe God. You remember Paul did that when they were, they were nights and days on the ocean, nights and days. They ended up throwing all their food, all their gear overboard, trying to just save their life. And finally there was an angel that spoke to him right in the end and he said, uh, Paul said the next morning, he said, Sirs, he was talking to the other people on the ship, he said, don't be afraid. Actually, he said, be of good cheer. Don't you hate those kind of people? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we actually love them because there's a reason why they're saying that. Paul said, while the storm is like this and their boat, now they don't even have food on their ship. He tells all the guys on the ship, be of good cheer. For I believe God. That's not a casual believing. Oh, I believe that roses are red, violets are blue. I believe that, you know, Tim Sum is a good food. I believe, I don't know where I got that, but anyway, <laughs> I believe, you know, I believe that, you know, the world is round. I believe it's, it's casual, you know, whatever. This is different. This is like core. If all heaven and earth passed away, 
this is what I believe. I believe God. So Paul said that. He said, sirs, be of good cheer. I believe God. There was an angel that stood with me last night, and he told me that this ship is going down, but everyone on the ship is going to be safe. I believe God. It's going to be exactly the way he said. Well, there were some of the people on the ship that said, I can't stand this. We're getting off. We're getting off. We're going to, you know, this life raft, we're going we're to try to make a run for it. And, then, and he, Paul came to know it. He said, don't get off this ship. The promise was for anybody that was on this ship, is gonna, they're, they're going to be okay. Everybody stayed with him. Everybody made it. Did it look like it? No. When we, have, when we have these contradictions, what they will do, what they do to us, is put us in a place of choice or decision. To move into questioning. That's another word for doubt. Questions aren't bad. Questioning isn't good. Like, why? Or, you know, whingy, whingy why? Is it reasonable? Yeah, it's very common. It's a very human thing to do. But if you want to be able to go on into victory and go from glory to glory and faith to faith, don't let your questions turn into questioning. Let your questions be turned into a motivation to seek Him. Some people, when they talk to God, it's with a fist in his face. That's because of questioning. The very same condition, the very same riser in somebody else will turn their heart to go, God, I want to know. I want to know you, and I want to know. I want to know. You know what Hebrews, the, 12, the, the 11th chapter in verse 6 says, and you guys can help me finish it. It says, it says that uh, faith, he that comes to God must believe what? Say it again. He must believe what? Sometimes, and there have been a couple situations in my life when I was so shaken, I moved all the way back to that stone. Okay, I, I don't know what to believe about many things right now, but I believe you are. Hey, that'll hold weight. He that comes to God must believe that he is. But listen to the next part. And that he's a, reward of, a rewarder of those who casually seek him, if I find out, fine, if I don't, if I go on, if I, if I know something, if I, uh, whatever, whatever about God. No. Those people will wander and wonder until that, that changes. Have you ever wondered how somebody moves from kind of seeking him to diligently seeking him? What is a diligent seeker of the Lord? look like? Is it just your face that you do this when you pray? 
<laughs> make an ugly face when you pray that you're diligently seeking, or that you talk louder when you pray. Is that diligently seeking? So you just, your, your diligence is just controlled by volume. You can scream in a whisper. You know what I'm talking about if you've ever done it. Your heart can holler in a whisper in the middle of the night. God. Casual seeking of the Lord. You may come across an answer and never even know you, you did. Not even recognize an answer when it's smack in your face. But a diligent seeker of the Lord will find exactly what God is saying, will hear it. Say, yes, yes, that's my word. What turns up the volume? What turns up the heat into fervent seeking the Lord? These risers contradictions that says you can't go any further. You can't go any further. Something on the inside says, oh yeah, oh yeah, we're going to go. Oh yes, we've only just begun. And you step up and you start stepping with Jesus Christ. Not because it looks right, not because it feels right, not because it sounds right, but because he said it. And he's real. Not just when everything is fine, but he's real in the daytime and he's real in the night. He's real when the sea is placid and he's real when it's raging. Uh, Andy, if you'll come. We want to give anybody an opportunity today. Every, everybody should know the rock. Everybody should. Not just coming to church isn't coming to him. You can make it to church and not make it to him. But we want to give anybody an opportunity that is here today an opportunity to actually come to him. We started off today by saying he's, a, he's the father of a wonderful family. If you feel like you're on the outside and would like to be in, in the family of such a father who is, his ways are perfect and his words are true. There's a way you can be in his family, and it's not by doing good stuff. It's not by even coming to church. There is only one way to get in his family, and that's to be born into it. All of us have been born once. Jesus said you have to be born again. What does that mean? You ask Jesus to come into your heart. What stops us from come, being able to come to God was our own sin and everybody's sin. The Bible said everybody's sin. Not everybody's sin, the same stuff, but everybody's sin. And Jesus 
was punished for all of our sin when he died on the cross. So I want to give you an opportunity to just accept what Jesus did for you. We're going to pray. I'd like you to bow your heads. And everybody's going to pray a prayer. If you've not prayed and asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, I invite you to pray this prayer with all of us as we pray it. Pray it from your heart. God will hear in heaven today and your life will be changed from the inside. Okay? Pray this after me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love for me. That you gave Jesus, your son, to be punished for my sins. I believe he died for me, but that you raised him from the dead and that he's alive today. I ask Jesus now to be the Lord of my life, to come into my heart. Amen. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.